and welcome to the latest episode of Sports Bar Talk. Actually, it's episode number six to be specific. It's amazing. We're already six weeks into this experiment, and I'd say it's going well so far, but I'll tell you what. We started this podcast right around when summertime began. So we're six weeks in, and summertime is absolutely flying by. I mean, before we know it, we're going to be in Christmas time. Deck the horns with bells of holly. Ba la 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 la. Anyway, enough of my singing. I don't think I'm going to be on American Idol. I am not the one, and it's probably the end of the road of my singing career, dog, as Randy Jackson would say. But, anyway, I thank everyone who's supported, and I'm glad I haven't bored you a way to turn off the podcast yet. So if you're still listening by now, congratulations. That's a major accomplishment in my eyes. But anyway, this is Sports Bar Talk. We've got a lot to get in. Let's not waste any time, including a very cold food of the week. So why don't we get into it? We got the best seat in the house. And if you were with us last week, I, of course, talked about UFC 251. I previewed the title fights in the card Well, that card happened, and it went off without any big hurdles or bumps in the road. It was a successful event. I want to give a shout-out to Dana White and the crew there over in Abu Dhabi on Yaz Island, where Fight Island has been deemed a success. And if you did get the fight, which was a very good card. Now, I know people were disappointed by the main event, and I'll get into that in a minute. But it was a good fight, you know. I got my title fight. I got two out of the three predictions I made. I got it correct. If you followed me on Twitter, I did roll with the welterweight champion, Kamaru Usman, who still is the welterweight champion after defeating Jorge Masvidal. And look, Masvidal, the only reason I can think he lost this fight or why this fight potentially wasn't as entertaining, he took the fight on six days' notice. Typically, when UFC fighters take fights, they get like six weeks to train and have a full-on training camp. Masvidal still fought fought a pretty good fight. It's just he took the fight on six days notice. So he didn't maybe have... He actually found out... He actually was at a July 4th barbecue when he he found out that uh, Usman's original opponent, Gilbert Burns, was supposed to be uh, tested positive and was out. And he was like, okay, we're going to go have a uh, six-day training camp. So he was on a six-day notice fight. Normally you take that on six weeks. And you clearly saw maybe the gas was... The tank was a little tiring, maybe. But Usman did what he does best. He wrestled. He took down Masvidal. A lot of people were... A lot of the casual MMA fans didn't really like it. They thought it was a waste of money. I didn't think it was a waste of money. Usman was in the clinch and used the very widely known tactic of toe-stomping to get the job done. Masvidal did have a couple good moments in the fight. Uh, but where you thought, oh, he can land one punch here and Usman could be gone. So a lot of people were waiting with bated breath, even though, even in that fifth round. But enough of the welterweight fight. In the co-main event, we had the featherweight title, and we had the rematch of their fight in December between Alexander Volkanovsky and Max Blessed Holloway. And I'll tell you what, the many people you talk to in the MMA community. Now, before we get to it, Volkanovsky did win the fight by decision, but it was very controversial as a lot of people had this fight going to Max Holloway. They had him winning the fight three rounds to two. 
but the judge, two out of the three judges didn't see it. I actually had it. I had Holloway. A lot of, so a lot of people had Holloway winning the first two rounds, and then they had uh, Volkanovski winning the next two rounds, and Holloway won the fifth round. I actually had it. I had Holloway winning the first four rounds of the fight. I thought he had complete domination. I thought he was able to dominate Volkanovski. Volkanovski did have his moments, but I just thought he, and then I thought Volkanovski took the fifth round. So I actually had Holloway winning the first four rounds of the fight. I saw it more of a domination. So when they read the scorecards, I was shocked before the decision announced when they announced one of the judges had given the fight to Volkanovski. I was shocked. That even one of them considered giving it to Volkanovski. And then I was even more shocked to find out another judge gave Volkanovski the fight, which meant Volkanovski is the champion. The way Holloway fought, I wouldn't be surprised if Dana White says we're going to give Holloway one more chance to get his belt back. Even though typically you see after two fights, if someone gets the rematch after their first loss and they lose again to the same opponent, they're normally done fighting that person. I wouldn't be surprised. If maybe they give Holloway one more chance, because he kind of has gotten robbed in two of the fights. This one especially, he got robbed. Uh, but, you know, Volkanovski, credit to him. He's the, still the champion, and hopefully he can begin his... Now, I think we can officially say the featherweight belt and the uh, passing, changing of the guard has happened. To where now it's the Alexander Volkanovski era and the UFC featherweight division. Speaking... Of new champions, Peter Yan. I, if you remember, I picked him to defeat Jose Aldo to win the bantamweight strap, and sure enough, he did. Now, the first round, it was domination by Peter Yan, but Jose Aldo looked like old Jose, old Jose Aldo in the second round. Absolutely battled, had a good round, but then domination from Peter Yan, the Russian, actually Siberian, excuse me, really dominated and just would take down Aldo and then just ground and pound, ground and pound, and it got so bad in the fifth round to where the referee stopped the fight, probably at 3 minutes and 24 seconds of the fifth round, probably should have stopped the fight a little bit earlier. I know Dana White was a little mad about that, but hey, I mean, I would have probably too. I know those MMA refs, they have a tough job. They have to protect the fighters. But they also gotta, if they think the fighter can go on, they gotta let him defend themselves. I mean, and clearly the ref thought Aldo could probably still fight and defend himself. And the ref gave Aldo all the chances to defend himself and get out of the ground and pound that Jan was giving him, but it wasn't the case. Peter Jan is the new Bantamweight champion, and he will most likely fight Algermain Funkmaster Sterling next for the Bantamweight strap. Uh, so that... Um, wraps up the UFC coverage. There was a Fight Island card, by the way, I should mention this. Dana White did announce at, I believe it was either the me it was the media scrum before. They had another Fight Island card yesterday where Calvin Kadar defeated Danny Age, but I'm not going to go into that. Um, Dana White did announce that Fight Island will be coming back somehow, in some form, in the fall. Because there's really no end in sight to this pandemic, so Fight Island will be back. In the fall, and quite frankly, if any of the domestics, any of the uh, states shut down and can't and won't allow fights, Dana said, Fight Island could be the home of the UFC for the foreseeable future. So we'll see, but 
let's get to another sport, college football. I know this is an American tradition unlike any other. Saturdays in the fall. I love just getting up, watching college game day, and then watching 12 hours of football. Who doesn't love 12 hours of football? But it might not be happening in the fall. I mean, um, you see the pandemic is really rising in the southern states, and that's where they love their college football. But I don't know if it's going to happen, you know. Big Ten went conference to a Big Ten went to a conference only schedule. I believe the ACC went to a conference only schedule, um, but that was mainly just to allow time for it to happen. So I don't know if we're gonna have a season. I would personally love to see college football in the springtime. You know they already do spring practices in March and February. Why not just keep keep going with it? So I think we will play some sort of college football in this coming academic school year. Whether it's the fall or the spring, I think there will be some form of college football. Um, I would go more, I would lean more towards the spring when we potentially have a vaccine and maybe you can get more fans in the stands to get more revenue for the schools. Because a lot of these smaller schools and potentially bigger schools, like the SEC schools, they make their money off these off college football. And actually, the highest paid faculty member at these big SEC schools are actually probably the head college football coach. Um, so, yeah. that So, that's college football. More on that. A uh, couple of other sports I want to mention. Well, one sport I want to mention coming back. I never really talk about this much. Hockey. The National Hockey League. And we want to give a special shout out to our friends who are listening in Canada. We love your poutine and Tim Hortons. Thank you very much. Uh, but August 1st is the date when the National Hockey League will return. I don't, I'm don't. i not a big hockey guy. I'll, I'll only watch it really when the playoffs and Stanley Cup come. I know some of it. But uh, I'm a Pittsburgh Penguins fan. So go Penguins. I know we play the Montreal Canadiens in the first round. That's all I know about that. So let's go Pens. Uh, but the other thing, horse racing wise... The oldest Saratoga race course opened up today. As we're recording this on a Thursday, they're running races right now. Saratoga is the oldest sporting venue in North America. It's actually older than Fenway Park and some of these baseball stadiums. It's older than Wrigley Fenway. It's the oldest sporting venue in North America, according to Sports Illustrated. And they opened up today. No fans, but they did announce yesterday that some owners can attend the races starting tomorrow. Um, New York is continuing to kick butt in the COVID fight, but sadly we did have some jockeys travel to other tracks last week to ride uh, other horses in big races, and so the Del Mar Thoroughbred Club, which opened last week in San Diego, California, founded by legendary singer-songwriter Bing Crosby, uh, I'd sing the song, but you already heard my bad singing already, uh, no. Um, they did COVID tests. They have like 20 jockeys who ride there. And about 75% of their jockey colony tested positive. So, Delmar is not going to be running doing running horse racing this weekend. They hope to be back next week, though. But leading to all those positive cases, Saratoga and Delmar and a bunch of other tracks, I'm sure, will follow suit across the country. 
So there are about 22 or 23 jockeys that ride that are up in Saratoga today for opening day. Those same 22 or 23 jockeys riding today will be the same 22 or 23 jockeys riding at Saratoga for the rest of the year. No one's going to be allowed to travel in. And if you leave Saratoga, and if one of these jockeys leaves to ride at another track, they won't be allowed back to Saratoga for the rest of the meeting. Um, it's a beautiful place. I've been there. I haven't been in the track, but I've been to the Horse Racing Hall of Fame. Beautiful. I had some cheese fries uh, outside the track. Amazing. But cheese fries are not the food of the week, unfortunately. But real quick, I do want to wrap up the horse racing and... Just saying, it's going to be a fun six or seven weeks at Saratoga. I look forward to watching the races. You can catch them on Fox Sports 1, Fox Sports 2. Or for our New York audience, you can catch the Saratoga racing on MSG+. Uh, the New York correspondent will appreciate that. But anyway, to our food of the week. And, you know, when it's a hot day and, you know, you're done swimming or even finishing your Little League game where Little Tommy pitched a no-hitter. Struck out five batters, you know. And afterwards, the coach says, let's go to Dairy Queen and get some ice cream. And you think, oh, yes. Yes, ice cream. Drum roll for the food of the week. Ice cream. You scream. We all scream for ice cream. Yes, the food of the week is ice cream lots of different flavors lots of different ways to have your ice cream whether you're a soft serve born it's so beautiful man just <laughs> it's vanilla chocolate twist my favorite flavor though is uh cookies and cream or oreo beautiful i love the oreo ice cream from uh brewsters r.i.p the brewsters in gettysburg i know there's still some brewsters around but there's none in gettysburg no more um, but I love the ice cream. I love Dairy Queen blizzards. I go for the chocolate extreme. Well, now I think it's called the brownie chocolate something. They changed the name, but I, I still call it chocolate extreme because that's the OG name. OG stands for, uh, old guys or old school for the, uh, people who don't keep up with the culture. Um, I love their blizzards. Dairy Queen's my favorite out of to get ice cream anywhere. It's my favorite chain. It's pro it's quite frankly might be my favorite non-chain either. But where I live in Gettysburg, we have a place called Mr. G's. I love their ice cream. Uh, they have a pretty good pretty good milkshakes, flurries. Um, I also like uh. In New York City, there's the Misty, Mist, during the summertime, there's the uh, Mr. Softy truck. I love to get a cone of vanilla dipped with Oreo. Good Oreo, very crunchy. Or I like to get the dipped cone with the chocolate hot fudge. Just tremendous. Sometimes I'd prefer the the uh, dipped over the Oreo. I like the dip the best, though. I, sometimes if I go to Dairy Queen and I'm trying to watch my weight, I will get a Dairy Queen cone and I'll... Probably unhealthy that I get it dipped in chocolate, but, you know, it's all for it. Now, for the low-calorie crowd, and if you're in New York City right now listening to this, head on over to Tasty Delight. Beautiful, beautiful ice cream. It's low-calorie. I think they also have some Froyo, too. That's frozen yogurt for those of you that don't know, that aren't in the 
culture and cultured. Say it like that. Uh, in St. Andrews, Scotland, when I had a chance to go visit the beautiful old course that Tiger Woods and golf immor immortals have played on. Tiger Woods, Jack Nicklaus, Jordan Spieth. I, there's a place there called Janetta's, and they have flavors like sticky butter toffee and Maltesers. Those absolutely sound disgusting, but my mom likes them. Um, and they put like a waffle cone piece on the ice cream there. I know they do that similar here in the States at a place called Half Pint Creamery. I've only been there once, but the time I went, it was a splendid experience. Uh, in Maine, my grandpa, God rest his soul, loved ice cream. He would take me to this place in a town called Corinne, Maine. It's either Corinne or Corinna. I think it's Corinne, Maine, on the way down to good old Bangor, Maine. And they had a place where it was a make-your-own-sunday bar. You, to, yeah, you, you asked for the flavor, and you said you want to build your own sunday bar. And they gave you the ice cream you paid, and then there was a room next to the ice cream place where it was like a, it was like a salad bar, but instead of salad, it was ice cream toppings. They had everything from Oreos, Reese Cups, whipped cream, um, strawberry jam, blueberry jam. They had a whole bunch of a hodgepodge of stuff. And just really beautiful. And then up at Penn State University, they have great food at Penn State, but their football team is awful. Go Buckeyes! Just kidding. They have a good football team, but they can't. They can never beat Ohio State, and they won't this upcoming season. They have the iconic Penn State Creamery. The only thing I wish my favorite ice cream topping is whipped cream. They don't have whipped cream. That's a big problem. In this society. Now I haven't been to the creamery in a couple years. Maybe that's changed. Maybe it hasn't. I hope it certainly has changed. Um, you can bring some home in dry ice. I love the creamery ice cream. They have Oreo. They have Peachy Paterno. Named after the greatest college football coach of all time. Joe Paterno. Actually no it's Urban Meyer the greatest. But then. One more ice cream place I really love. In 2018. We did a big New England expedition vacation. We visited Massachusetts. We visited Boston. But we stopped in Vermont because I had always... I want to visit all 50 states. And I don't know how many I've gotten so far. But we visited Ben and Jerry's. The original Ben and Jerry's in beautiful Stowe, Vermont. And we took the ice cream tour. They showed us how they make their ice cream. And my favorite flavor of Ben and Jerry's not only is Oreo, but they have the Stephen Colbert Americone Dream. Vanilla with a caramel swirl uh, and waffle cone pieces and chocolate chips. It's an amazing combination. And just so happened that that was the sample flavor of the day during the tour. My favorite flavor. I couldn't believe it. I almost cried. I never cry. It's just amazing. Um... <clears throat> But they have a stand and they have all these toppings they have that you can get. Uh, they have they have vegan ice cream. They have dough, uh, um, cookie dough balls. I'm going to leave it there. <laughs> Enjoy some ice cream in honor of me. Go to Dairy Queen. Tell them Sports Bar Talk sent ya. Um, Alright, that's going to do it for the podcast. I will see you next week. Leave a five-star review. Write a nice review. I, <laughs> I think that's hilarious. I genuinely do. Take a... Wear a mask. Stay safe. Listen to Tony. And this is Sports Bar Talk. Where we got the best seat in the 
Ahoj.